This is Asking for a Friend with Kyone Wolf, the podcast. I'm Kyone Wolf. Asking for a Friend is an advice show taped at CTM Probs Underground Comedy Theater in downtown Hartford, Connecticut. There are three problems considered in each show, and each round is judged by three audience members sitting in the front row. The panelist with the most points at the end of the night wins a loofah, the loofah of truth. You're about to hear a problem from our November 2018 show, and our panelists were Elijah Hilleman, a Hartford native and co-owner of Samilla Cafe and Studio, Alan Smith of CT Improv and Operation Fuel, and Cynthia Kane, who lives at the intersection of motherhood, ministry, and the military. And you should know there may be profanity and direct references to adult themes in this episode, which is why you're here in the first place, but, you know, disclaimers. All right, here's our problem, and it's a big one. Here we go. How do I cope with the existential dread that is America in 2018? In 2019, in 2020. Here's the context. Mass shootings every couple weeks. White supremacists marching with tiki torches and holding political office. Journalism threatened. The tipping point of climate change. Families torn apart by political, personal differences. Voter suppression. The politicization of the Supreme Court. Mass famine in Yemen. Violence everywhere. Hypocrisy no longer has negative consequences flagrant abuses of power. Truth is fake news. I can barely wrap my head around all of this when I'm seized with dread about the future. There's the glass ceiling and then there's the shit floor. And I know humanity has done some pretty fucked up things, but I feel like we've really broken through the shit floor here in America and abroad. It's one thing to know all this, but it's another to wonder how or if we'll ever recover. And if we do recover, What does that even look like? Will this be a turning point in history as our greatest natures collectively take over and right this ship of humanity? Won't we? And according to some people, haven't our policies and procedures been the definition of righting the ship? My mind races now more than it ever has. I feel like I have no right to bury my head in the sand while others can't because they're living in the headlines except for the occasional, whoa, I am mortal and life is chaos moment that we have sometimes, I'm usually pretty chill, but lately the world seems crazy in a way that it's never been. How do I keep my wits about me? What if I don't? Alan. Well, I think this is a really poignant question. I mean, one of the the main points in there is feeling like you want to just bury your head in the sand, but you feel like you can't because lives are at stake. I think that's one of, the, one of the most key points in there. You know, the world is on fire, you know, metaphorically, whatever. We've had some other metaphors here tonight. Um, the bread's burning. The, the world is on fire. Yeah, the bread, bread's so, in the oven. <laughs> so you can't just stick your head in the, in the sand because eventually you have to pick your head up. And if you wait and pick your head up, you might suffocate or burn. So... I think my best advice would be you can't just, you know, sit down with your sheet cake and put on Netflix and hope that everything gets better. I I really, I feel like everybody needs to find one thing that they're passionate about and give it 100% of your attention, you know, Uh, whether that is poverty, whether it is, you know, injustice, uh, whether it's you know, getting politically active, whatever it is. Get, find one thing and give it 100% and acknowledge that you can't fix everything. 
end everything is also not your fault. You might have a, a little bit of culpability for some of things, but every, there's no way that everything is also your fault. So find something that you're really passionate about, work towards that, and for the rest of your life and the rest of your day-to-day -day life, be a good person, be nice to others, and try to help out everywhere else that you can. But you can't drive yourself nuts trying to fix everything. But I think you'll feel rewarded and you'll feel like you're making a difference if you can focus on one thing to make a difference on. At least then you have that to lean back on and say, you know, at least I improved this one thing that I could. Elijah, how do you respond to all that? Well, two things. I definitely think America's cursed from the get. Mm. The second thing is we all live comfortable lives on the backs of others, and that's a reality. So yeah, I agree with Alan, like purpose, like finding some type of purpose and all, all the problems we're experiencing is intersectional and to be like, oh, I wanna try to save everyone and like save the fucking world. Like, no, you, you can't. If you're passionate about one thing, go for that and you feel like a purpose is there. Like at the end of the day, I'm, I'm on this earth to help others. For my case, like I'm a black man. So like I'm a help black and brown people. So that's any way that I can do that, I'm gonna get it done. I agree with Alan, like finding some type of purpose or trying to make the world better in a certain aspect. Cynthia. When I first read this question, I was trying to imagine the person who wrote it, mostly because I have a lot of conversations with a lot of people in a particular age group of young adulthood from like 18 to 35. And so, I don't know who was the author of this question, though it is one that I have heard echoing over and over again between 18 and 35. I'm not just 18 to 35 year olds, but that's just who I predominantly speak with. And then the next part is when I was reflecting on it, what I kept hearing inside of my inner audio system was when I was a child, I spoke as a child, but as I became an adult, I put away my childish things. And not to say that this is childish, but it was more that what I understand that wisdom to speak into is that there comes this time when we just wake up and realize how cruel and violent and horrific and unjust and messy life is. And you know, I even watch my three and eight-year-old, my eight-year-old's like, I don't wanna be an adult. And I agree with him, though there just comes this time when we ultimately have this awareness. And so I don't think this all of a sudden just happened. So that's why I was trying to imagine who is the person who is asking this, that all of a sudden he or she, or this person, regardless of the gender, um, where they are in the continuum, this person just was coming to this awareness that all this is going on, and the reality is this is, has been going on. Given that, I ask, and people generally, when confronted with this, is what is the one thing that I can do? And then there's the, I don't have a passion, because I'm just kind of overwhelmed, and I'm kind of consumed by the magnitude of the problems that are out there. And I'm just this one person. So I'm like, well, what's the one thing that you can do? Just the one thing. It's like, well, not talk back to so-and-so, or I can hold a door open, or I can, you know, just, so what's the one bit of kindness? What is the one bit of change that you want to see in the world that you can do? And maybe from there, a passion will arise if a person doesn't necessarily have a passion or isn't necessarily in a place where they can pound the pavements or protest. Just what's that one thing? And from there, stay true to that. Because staying true and rooted and grounded within that, that hell can still be breaking loose. 
but we've contributed not to the ugliness, but to the beauty that's really in there. Because it's a bruised yet and broken, but beautiful world of ours. And so what's the one thing that we can do to continue to make it beautiful? It's hard to find purpose though. Like honestly, it's hella hard to be like, oh, you know what, this is what I wanna fucking do. You know, so relying on people in your community, it takes like a community to raise, like, raise a child. It takes a village, right? A village to raise a child. So having people around you when you're just like, I don't know what I'm doing, like help me out, you know? That's also super important. That, that, was, that was really it. And that makes me think about like, in a way it feels good that this problem that you all just heard tonight, like you all know what we're talking about. You all agree that this is crazy in a really special way. To your point, being in a community of people who are recognizing that these are crazy times, at least you know you're not alone. And there's something to that. Like that in itself is powerful too. Because if you think this is crazy and you're the only one, that's isolating and that's a whole different ball game. So at least you can find that outlet, that neighbor, that one point in your community to drill down on. But you can also take comfort in knowing that you're not alone and recognizing that these are some crazy times. So that being said, the lady of the box will play a fanfare while our audience judges write down the name of the panelist whose thoughts they thought hit the mark. Paper packages tied up with string. These are a few of my favorite things. Lynn, who did you choose and why? I chose Cynthia. I do hear and feel the angst that people have really since the election in 2016, and it feels we're more divided as a country than ever. It feels that we are, but we really, I don't necessarily think we are more divided. I think we have been where we are now as far as things being bad, really bad. I just think things go in a cycle. People were feeling a little better than it really was. Do you know what I mean? I don't really think that there was less problems when Obama, I don't want to get too political, but I don't really think there was necessarily less hate. I think it might have been quieter for a time um, than it is now. Or not as obvious to white people. Right. It would not be obvious to me. I mean, I've grown up in a town that everybody looks like me. Um, no, it's the truth. And that's, I'm, I know what you meant about find your passion and things like that, but you have to find your fun. You actually have to take time to have fun. If you let all this like get in your head too much, you're not actually going to be productive. You're going to be on the couch and you're snuggy and crying. And if you're religious at all, I do think that helps too, but that's all. Thank you, Lynn. Fran, who'd you choose and why? In the end, I chose Cynthia. However, all three of you, once again, said really important things. When I was listening to Alan, when you're faced with um, so many hard things, I see profligate abuse. I see our president insulting people just for saying things he doesn't agree with and shaming people on a world stage and just really shaming our country on a world stage. And it just breaks my heart and it makes me really feel like I'd like to do something about it and at times I feel really helpless. So I really resonated with, with the piece. 
And I'm hoping that this administration is an exposure of the undersides of a whole bunch of things that need to get taken care of and that one by one we start really focusing on them. And because you can't do everything, you focus on your one thing or your several things you can do. And one thing you can do is just reach out to your community and in the moment, make it a safer place to be. Say hello to people in the street. You know, help somebody across the street. Help somebody with their groceries. Just be kind. Tell a joke. Have fun. So I chose Cynthia because I had to pick somebody, but you, basically because you summed it all up. So thank you. Thank you, Fran. Alexa, who'd you choose and why? Hi. Everyone said something that was fantastic and something that I identified with, but I chose Elijah. Smiley face. Because <laughs> you very face. specifically said, I was put on this earth to help others. So in case it isn't painfully obvious, I am black and I'm a woman. So the world is awful. And it has been pretty much for my entire life. This administration, this uptick that we have seen in just sort of rampant racism is not new. It's new to some, but not new to all of us. I would love to focus on my passions. I would love to focus on something that takes me out of the really awful things that are happening in our news and in the news all around the world. Unfortunately, I no longer feel safe anywhere. I don't feel safe in my car. I don't feel safe in the grocery store. I don't feel safe at work. I don't feel safe walking down the street because I know that all it takes is one moment of someone looking at me and thinking that I am a threat to their existence for me to be harmed. So that's difficult. And I can't always cope with that and I don't always know how to help myself and I don't always know how to help others. But the thought that I could help others is what keeps me going. So that's why I chose you. And thank you to everybody who answered because this was a really hard question. And I, I just wanna highlight if I may, I really appreciate you speaking from your experience because it helps those of us who perceive ourselves to be white. What I appreciate about what you saying is that raises the awareness for all of us here and hopefully future listeners that there are these small things that we can do. You know, it doesn't have to be, we're gonna be the answer to global warming, but it's like these one small acts. And understand that, that if you ask someone, what can we do? Be prepared for an answer that you might not want to hear. Someone's going to call you out on your privilege. Mm -hmm. And that's not a personal attack, but it's something that we all need to know and we need to understand if we're going to really get to the bottom of this. Because the problems that exist now are the problems that existed 50, 60 years ago. That's not right. That's not correct. The problems that we have as women now are the problems that existed that long ago. The problems that we have as minorities existed long, that long ago. If you're disabled now, or handicapable, or however you uh, identify, I don't know the proper word, your fight to be seen as just a regular person is the same fight that someone had over 50 years ago. We're not doing enough. That's all of us. So I think that asking the question is the first step. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much. A round of applause. Right. Our wonderful judges, thank you so much. All right, that's one problem down. All of them to go. Thank you so much to our audience, our judges, and of course to our panelists, Elijah Hilleman and Alan Smith and Cynthia Kane, who tied to win the loofah of truth that night, our first ever tie in the show. 
Thank you to CT Improv in downtown Hartford for putting this show on. Check out all their shows and snag your tickets to this one at ctimprov.com. That's S-E-A-T-E-A-Improv.com. Thanks to our most elegant trumpet player and the lady of the box, Emily Catherine Peterson. Thanks to our master stager, Joe Barber. Our problems and confessions are beautifully calligraphed in Osaka, Japan by Chris Gladys on our Instagram account at Asking for a Friend with Kion Wolf. And you can see his other crazy beautiful calligraphy at mshades01. Our Facebook page is at Asking for a Friend with Kion Wolf, and this episode was made possible in part by Dean Miller, a guy with a lot of enthusiasm and great ideas and an admirable commitment to bow ties. Pretty cool. Thank you, Dean. All right, thank you for trusting your problems with this podcast. I'm Kion Wolf, feeling better after this show, but inevitably consumed with anxiety and doubt about the future of our species, as usual. All right, see you at CT.